Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Very few, it is an elite group of 25-year-old journalists, have the type of responsibility that today's guest has. She oversees all WNBA editorial coverage for The Athletic. That includes a staff of 14 writers, including beat writers for all 12 teams. Along with my sidekick and super producer extraordinaire, Bruce Bernstein, we'll tell her story and introduce you to one of the brightest young journalists in the country. But nobody goes before Darlene. Darlene, girl, let's run it. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you, Darlene. Listen, Dierica Hamby, uh, she definitely can appreciate a three in transition off of a steal with the game winding down. It's the moment that I know all of you listening to this pod have seen, I'm sure. And if you haven't, you have to. Today's special guest is Hannah Withiam. She is an associate editor at The Athletic, one of our favorite sports websites. Uh, Before graduating from Hamilton College in 2016, Hannah already had years of experience from internships and her work in student media. But right after getting her degree, she walked across the stage and into a job as a writer and producer for the New York Post, one of Bruce's favorite uh, must-reads. After two years at the Post, she was hired by The Athletic to oversee the comprehensive WNBA coverage, which many feel is one of the top outlets to get good W coverage in the business. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Monica. Happy to hear you. Think it's one of the top. We're trying our best. Listen. It's been a fun first season. I'm a fan of The Athletic, mostly because they hired a bunch of people that I know and respected in this area. But as it has grown, I'm like, okay, W coverage, let's go. <laughs> it's been great to see that even, you know, when we started this back in May, I didn't realize how many other outlets were sending their coverage too. So that's been fun to have a little competition too. So let's let's jump into it right there. Because last week we had Howard Megdal on the show, who I'm sure you're familiar with. He's been covering yep. the W way before it was in vogue. Um, and he talked about the growth in coverage and the demands of fans not allowing media outlets, entities, whether it be print, digital, television, to continue to ignore women's sports. Yeah, no, it's it's been, I know it's been a challenge for a lot of these um, outlets that have been around for a while to, to uh, you know, decide whether to get into it or not. So I know at least here at The Athletic, we were waiting for the right time because we wanted to do it right, which was how we cover every other sport, which is having a reporter um, in each city covering each team on the ground. So um, really exciting that we were able to do that this year and get off to a fast start. So for you coming on board with this process, how did this even look? Take us back to you were at The Post, The Athletic reaches out. You're like, this is a dope opportunity. I want to be a part of it. I mean, how does this even go? 
Yeah, so it was actually, I just celebrated a, my one-year anniversary two weeks ago, so I can't believe how fast it's gone. But last summer, um, I, oh, I guess, the, first of all, the athletic came onto my radar while I was at the Post maybe, I want to say last spring, um, and I just loved their mission. I loved what they were about, quality storytelling, not necessarily the clickbait you see on the internet, um, but actually getting on-the-ground reporting and unique access to these athletes um, and telling the stories that I cared about growing up and not a lot of sportsmen care about. So um, as soon as an opportunity opened up, thankfully here in New York, where I already was, I couldn't, couldn't pass it up and couldn't be happier to be here now and now working on WNBA coverage too. Okay, so they reached out to you. They didn't, what, okay, what were you doing at the Post first? Sure, so I was mostly on the website doing writing and editing sports for the website. Um, so that involved, you know, social media and breaking, it was really on top of breaking news. So whenever anything player got hurt this past week would have been a lot in New York with, with football in particular. Um, so working up stories like that. And then I also had the opportunity to cover certain events and go on some assignments for the newspaper, which I particularly enjoyed. Hey, Hannah, this is, uh, Bruce, um, your story is remarkable in many, many ways, I believe. Um, to reach a level of influence in the journalistic coverage of a sport at such a young age, it's got to feel surreal at times, does it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think back to where I was just having graduated, not even with a journalism degree, because I went to a liberal arts school and thinking, can I really get into this industry without the experience that some of these other people have? right off the bat coming out of college. And I was lucky to just get um, the in first internship actually at the New York Post is how I started after graduation. Um, and I just told myself I wanted to be a sponge while I was there, soak up everything I could from the people I was working with. And I was fortunate to have just some incredible editors at the Post and really thrown into the fire. I think that was, they sent me out on assignments and said, you know, get the best story you can. And you just have to um, think, quickly on your toes. And, um, and I learned a lot in those first couple of years. So absolutely. It's surreal at times. So now you're really kind of like a point guard for a team, you know, and, and so, <laughs> and, 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 you know, watch us work. That's one of the WNBA slogans that definitely applies to you. I mean, the stops that you've made, some of which you just described between getting started as a sophomore in college, they've been very wide ranging and diverse. How important is versatility for younger professionals? I think it's so important. I think um, I'm really I'm really happy with how my education went. Just having the, the education that I got in school, since I wasn't necessarily it was, wasn't all journalism. I was doing critical reading and learning history and learning English literature, and I think that helped me just think in a different way and train my mind to look at things critically, which is so important in sport, especially in the WNBA with a lot of the issues facing the league. Um, and yeah, that's really helped me in this first year with, with the WNBA coverage. Okay. So let's jump in again, right there, Hannah. Did you grow up on the W or was this like, I'm a journalist. I'm going to respect this league as a journalist. And I'm going to do its justice. Like what is your relationship with the W? I would say I grew up a huge women's sports fan. Generally, um, I played specifically, I played soccer. So I've been a fan of 
the U.S. women's national team since I can remember. And then the W in women's basketball, I was, you know, growing up in Connecticut, I was actually a big UConn women's basketball fan. So I, I just remember watching Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, growing up. Um, and the W was always something that was just around. I think, you know, my first intro letter for launching this coverage, I think it was three years old when the WMA launched. So to me, the W has always been around. And um, I think just from that standpoint as a kid, it's it deserves the same coverage. And so it's huge to have that now. I, I love that because that's sort of how I feel. I was a little mm-hmm. bit older than you, but coming into playing basketball, like there were always women doing it at elite levels. Right. It's not, it's not a thought to me. In fact, I honestly didn't notice the disparity in coverage until I got out of college and was looking to get into this industry because for me, it had been such an integral part of my life as a basketball player, just as a woman in general. And so now to kind of be on the other side, is it's always an interesting conversation. But you mentioned getting mm-hmm. to the athletic. This is one of my favorite questions when we're talking to athletes. What's the first thing you did when you got your paycheck? So not when you got your paycheck, Hannah, but what was the first <laughs> big assignment that you had your hands in at the athletic or what's the first thing that you really really remember vividly that stood out like hey I'm at this national organization making a mark on covering the WNBA let's see well first if I had to go back to when I first started the athletic before we launched WNBA um the first writing assignment I did was meeting Melissa Lutke who was a woman who works at Sports Sports Illustrated back in, I think it was the 70s, um, when she was denied access to the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium, and then ended up going, it turned into a lawsuit, um, which she won against against the MLB. And I remember just speaking with her and speaking with one of these women who was a pioneers in what we're doing in women's journalism. And it was a really powerful moment. Um, and I think it just reminded me of what I'm in a position to do now um so I mean I wasn't even thinking about the WNBA at that time I just joined the athletic but it was definitely a a surreal type moment um and then I guess it was maybe eight months after that we launched WNBA um so here we are and Melissa Lucky she's dope I had an opportunity to meet her at (laughs) she and Claire and like they're just they're such g's (laughs) they really are uh yeah she's She's just every, anything she says. You're you're sitting on her every word. She's amazing. Hey, so um, Hannah, we've talked about you know the extended NBA coverage. How has it been received? We're very happy with the reception. Um, I think plenty of other outlets have been covered it in the way WNBA and very well. Howard and High Post Hoops being one of them. Um, but I think what we brought to the table that people are very happy with is the fact that we have reporters locally covering every team. And that's given us the ability to collaborate on certain pieces that um, show, show, I think, show people what we're capable of. Uh, one of which was, gosh, how long ago? It was a few weeks ago now, we had the, our 2019 uh, player poll where we had our reporters talk to players anonymously. They were granted an anonymity and we, we just asked them 10 questions, ranging from fun ones to who's the best player of all time, who's the best dressed, to more controversial topics, such as playing overseas and salaries um, and issues facing the league. So I think if we weren't on people's radar then who are fans, I think we went on theirs then. 
two things. Lindsay Gibbs holds it down covering the <laughs> for the athletic. Love Lindsay's work. But yes, that survey, girl, you have <laughs> Twitter, Twitter ablaze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, yeah. The one that uh, sort of unfortunately, I think to all of us stood out was Candace Parker being named overrated, which I don't think any of us agree with. I think as she said after the fact, um, it might just be because of this year that with the injuries and so on. Um, but yeah, it, what I loved about it was it led to so many conversations that needed to happen. And that's exactly what we're, we're here to do. So how does that come about? Was that your idea? Like, where did that come from? So we've actually done them in every, for every league here at The Athletic in previous years. So MLB, yeah. NFL, um, NHL, they've done them, I think, one or, or twice um, since we started at The Athletic. So we've known that people really enjoy them. And so we knew we had to bring it to the WNBA. Man, I love it. It was brilliant. I also thought that we got some really thoughtful answers. One of the questions that stood out to me was the expansion question. And I was yeah. totally that girl that lived and died with Van Chancellor, Cynthia Cooper, Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, Kim Perot. Like, I agree. How do we lose <laughs> in an entire city out of the league? It's so true. I actually made me, because I don't, I can't really remember that well. So it made me want to go back and look at how that all went down. Um, and maybe that's a story in the future, but absolutely. It's really surprising, right? A lot yeah. of, it pointed out a lot of things that are worth thinking about. I definitely thought the answer about the South too was good in terms of Atlanta kind of representing, mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly whether it was four or eight states, but a large region and there not really being a Southern presence. Definitely. And then and in the Bay Area too, which, which mm -hmm. makes sense with all the love for the Warriors out there. We are uh, chatting with Hannah Withiam, who is the associate editor of the WNBA coverage for The Athletic. And man, that survey, I just, it just really is <laughs> this year. But Hannah, okay, so we moved past the survey. Um, some of the players named in that, Diana Taurasi as arguably the greatest of all time. There was a fantastic list of runners up. But now we look at this year's playoffs where we are semifinals Elena Deladon was on that list with Diana Taurasi as a potential goat she and her mystics Las mm -hmm. Vegas is at this point we're recording on Wednesday game one is in the books the mystics were able to hold on what are you expecting out of that series man you know going in I was pretty confident the mystics would handle things maybe even sweep I was thinking with the aces coming off that pretty exhausting win on Sunday and they just dealt with so much inconsistency especially towards the end of the season. They think they dropped four of their last six or something like that. Um, and the Mystics have just looked so strong. But watching last night's game, I mean, the Aces stuck right in there. They have, obviously, they have the star power. So I think seeing how that went, this could really go the distance. You know, the thing that stands out for me yesterday are both teams' respective runs in terms of Christy Tolliver returning to the game after missing nine or whatever she's missed and literally the way the sports and entertainment arena just kind of erupted after her first basket. But then on the other mm -hmm. side, the Aces surprised me with a little bit of poise to close that gap down the stretch. Um, I know Liz was having, I won't say a rough game because she was still scoring, but she's very demonstrative when things aren't going her way. But I was talking yeah. with Tim Adams, LaChina Robinson, and Pam Ward a little bit after the game, and they're like, maybe it's us. Because every time we get a game together, it becomes a nail-biter. But I honestly agree <laughs> with this series. Like, the whole thing could take five, and it could be a nail-biter all the way through. 
Agreed, which which I'm very excited about. Um, I mean, that's what we need, right? We need some good competition, and, and this is a series that brings it both to. Um, I think what I was most surprised about is that the Aces came out fast, mm-hmm. which is something they've really struggled with this season. They've, I can't remember how many games it is, but it's something crazy. How they've gotten down double digits right in the first quarter or first half. So they came out strong, um, leading at halftime. But yeah, Christy Tolliver really turned that game around. Lindsay Gibbs had a great story for us in the Athletic today about um, her process coming back from that injury earlier in August um, and how she was a little unsure of herself coming into the game, but once she made that shot, really turned it around. I know Monica's got some more playoff questions, but I wanted to step backwards because to me, one of the buzziest things that I've ever seen is is the shot last weekend with uh, Derica Hamby. It was that, yeah. no, 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 yes. Was that the buzziest moment the league has seen? People were comparing it to uh, Teresa Weatherspoon's The Shot um, back in the playoffs. Gosh, what year was that now? 2000, early 2000s, um, which was really cool. I mean, it's great to have a highlight reel moment like that for the league to, if people aren't watching the playoffs not on their radar, puts it on the map. Like it was on Sports Center's top ten, I think, and just everyone was talking about it. So yeah, that was that was really fun. I think because when I, you know Twitter and this weird algorithm, I got on Twitter and saw James Harden talking about Kelsey's plums one leg team one leg thing at some point, yeah. and then it was like the Aces won on a crazy shot, and I'm like, is this the crazy shot? Like, what are we talking about? And then I finally got into Dierica's shot, and I literally had to watch it like three times. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> me too me too I think I've watched it upwards of 20 50 times at this point but I think what I also loved about it was the fact that it wasn't just like oh she made this shot great move on it was we handled it like it was talked about on both sides like both you know fans of the sky came out and said we think she stepped out of bounds and their players are saying the same thing like you saw that passion from both sides that you would see in, in any, um, you know, men's playoff game. And I loved that about it. All right. On the other side, we've got the Connecticut sun and the Los Angeles sparks battling and NECA, not NECA, excuse me. Cheney Agumuke is still getting booed at Mohegan. Uh, what are your thoughts on that series? This, this is one I actually thought would be tighter from the beginning. Um, and now maybe we have a chance to see both go to five. But this one, I think, is Molly Yannity, our, our writer for The Sun, has said from the beginning, she said it wrote in her preview yesterday, that this one should really come down to the intangibles, which um, you know, The Sun seem to have. They're a team that has been together for several years now, and they've experienced a disappointment in the past two playoffs, losing in single elimination games. So this seems to be finally the year that it might all come together for them. Um, the Sparks, though, I mean, their bench, it, it, they must have one of the best benches in the league with Shanae Ugumuke coming off the bench. I mean, that's insane. So I, this is this should be a really tight series, and we saw that last night. Crazy because I think as I've talked with folks around and kind of done my little analysis to sit back, I agree that the Connecticut Sun and the Washington Mystics will meet. But I think this year we're seeing – how like the taste of victory really can be a driving factor because I had the opportunity to call a game up at Mohegan and you talk to Jazz, you talk to Alyssa, you talk to JJ. They 
never lost sight of the fact that they had been bounced in a single round elimination twice. And on the flip side, for the Mystics, they were right there. And I think yesterday after the press conference, um, Coach Tebow was joking about Emma Mieseman. And he said, you know, I consider her our missing link from last year. And she feels like you guys got there without me. And he's like, yeah, but we didn't win. And so when Emma and Christy, not Christy, Emma and Elena were at the podium, Elena said the same thing. And she's like, no, absolutely, Emma, you are our missing link. Yeah, that it makes sense. I mean, she has been, she's such a good player. And I think we forgot about that since since she wasn't there last year. Um, and we haven't seen her for an extended period of time. But, I mean, she's such a force. And she's someone who's not really talked about that much. She's, she's still pretty underrated. But she, I agree, she really could be the X factor for the Mystics here. You know, no team can really win it all if, if the other team can just focus on the superstar. I mean, you know, it's <clears> – and that's been the case for a really long time. I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, if, to, to, to take it off the court for a bit, I know that, you know, at the start of the season, many of us were worried that the absence of so many star players because of injuries was going to make for a tough year. But it really hasn't really turned out that way. Why do you think that is? I think it might sound like an easy answer, but – we've seen the rise of some of these other players that we might not have seen had they not gotten as much playing time with some of these stars out. And it's really unfortunate that these stars are out. We never want to see that, but um, you know, like Lelani Mitchell just winning most improved this year. It's crazy that she's won that twice. First player to ever do that. Um, But seeing players like her and um, in Seattle, like Jordan Canada and Joel Lloyd just really stepping up for that team and making the playoffs to no one expected that when Stewart and Bird were out. Um, That's been a lot of fun to watch and we're seeing just how deep this league really is. I would think that, you know, when those players come back next year, that should really give the league like a a little extra supercharged boost because all the folks who did step up this year are now established. And now it's almost like icing on the cake when, when, you know, the, the, the superstar players that were at this year come, you know, come on back in. Um, yeah. Speaking of great players and kind of off the court stuff, um, the collective bargaining agreement is about to come up. And I know there's a lot of issues, some of them we can go through, but they kind of made an immediate move with the charter flights in the late stage of the playoffs. How important has that been for the players that you've heard from? That's huge. For some players, it, it is one of the most important issues on on you know in negotiations because I think it was last night um, coach Bill Lambier was saying that the ACES schedule would have had them taking like a you know middle of the night flight to get in to a layover in Chicago um, they wouldn't have been getting in until the afternoon to then turn it around to play the next day um, so it just makes all the difference for these players especially when they're not getting proper rest in the offseason with almost all of them playing overseas or, or doing something um, playing related. So it's so important. I hope we see more of it. And as they head into the negotiations with, with Neka Agumake as the president of the players union, how important is it that one of the highest profile players in the league is willing to assume such responsibility for the entire welfare of, of all the players? She is such a great role model for this league. Um, I spoke with her back before the season started 
back when the Kathy Engelbert had an Indian commissioner and they were still without a leader. Um, and she just represents the league so well. Um, she's really articulate. You know, she is, has a balanced view of things. Um, and now is, she's now in her third year, I believe, as president. Um, and she, she's so humble too. She was like, I never expected to be in this role, um, but now that I'm in it, I realize how could I, you know, I almost forget about you know, when I wasn't in it, because I like the balance of fighting for these players as well as playing on the court. Um, so she's just, she's a great leader for them. What do you think are going to be the biggest issues that need to be settled when they do uh, sit down and, and start negotiating the next uh, agreement? It's obviously the top of the list is salaries. Um, just how much percentage of the revenue the players are getting and really I know there's so much, so many arguments on both sides, considering how much revenue they make versus how much players should should make. Um, but really, what it comes down to is just the proper investment in these players, because you're not going to see the best product unless you invest in them. So that I mean that's got to be at the top of the list, um, because it's the money that will then lead to them getting that rest in the off season, um, which will be so important to not see these injuries that we have this year. Um, and then on top of that, it's really, I think it's exposure. So you know, like we're seeing this year is more media coverage, more sponsorships, more uh, TV time, and maybe getting some of these playoff games, you know, on a flagship channel like ESPN, not ESPN2. So things like that. And I hope that they come to some of those agreements. As these issues are moving forward, I mean, is there a, a realistic timeline as you talk to people? I... To be honest, we haven't heard much from what I've heard. Um, I know the it ends the CB current CBA expires October 31st, and then I haven't heard if there's a you know like a specific deadline or not for when they need to reach the new agreement. You would think, of course, it needs to be before next season begins or before free agency begins February 1st. Um, so no, it, you know they're being pretty tight tight lipped about it. You know what? It's crazy because I had not really thought about what a professional season looks like for a WNBA player that also plays overseas in terms of how little time they actually get to rest and ultimately mm -hmm. how that can affect the length of an entire career. I mean, I, I literally was talking to my homeboy. He hosts a podcast that focuses on the Wizards here in the D.C. area, and we jumped in and talked about mm -hmm. And He's like, how do women do it? Like, you go from the W, you go overseas. Like, where is the offseason? And I was like, you know, I never, I never really thought about it, but there isn't one, which is insane. It's crazy how some of these players are even missing like the first week of their training camp because they're in the playoffs or the championship with their team overseas. So it's literally like they are coming in and getting right back into it. I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't appreciate it either until I started, I got really invested in this league. I mean, I definitely hope I had an opportunity to meet uh, Terry Jackson, who's doing a great job with the Players Association. She's also a Hoya, so shout out to Terry. <laughs> I hope she continue to move the needle combined with Kathy. Um, but in, in general, just in general, Hannah, when you look back at this year, what has been sort of the highlight for you? The highlight, I'd say, um, at least here at The Athletic, has been for the team we built of writers and seeing them collaborate and talk about ideas. I think I was talking with uh, one of our features reporters, Tamron Spruill the other day, and she was like, I've so enjoyed this year because the issues that I've always 
cared about and wanted to know more about, I've been able to dig into this year. And I feel like that's what we've been able to do at The Athletic. Um, it's not just covering the games, which of course are important, but it's looking at some of these deeper issues and these athlete stories that are so important to the growth of the league because they're the ones driving its future. You guys are absolutely crushing it. But speaking of Tamron, one of the pieces that really made me have a seat and kind of think was what she wrote about the tete-a-tete, we'll call it, between Liz Cambage and Kalani Brown and how the mm-hmm. hair thing played a role in it. And I can remember Hannah being like, oh, whatever, like we're, we're making this too deep. Like it's just women being competitive. But I'm learning as I read more coverage and hear different voices, it's fine for me to have an opinion on something, but it doesn't mean that there's not another level to it for someone else. And I actually thought that the piece that she put together in terms of scratching the surface on some, you know, things that are really intense when you talk about diversity and racial identity and mm-hmm. hair texture and all that, I thought she did it really, really well. And I was more importantly, super pleased to see that Kalani and Liz really don't have a beef. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That was one of my favorite pieces of hers this season. I agree with you. Yeah. There was so much more than just the incident on the court. And that's, I mean, that's really what we do here at Athletic is, of the off the court what you don't see um so yeah i love that one too okay my last question for you i'm going to put you on the spot you mentioned i believe that uh that the sun and the mystics are going to be in the championship round together who wins might be uh sound like a cop-out but i do i think the mystics are just too strong elena deladon is i mean she's just unstoppable right now. And I don't see them see them losing this one, especially after dropping it last year. They have coming back with a vengeance. Jeez, Bruce, way to be a nice uh, host for our guests, really putting the screws to Hannah there. <laughs> she's, she's an old grizzled veteran. She can handle this. Absolutely. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Hannah, I agree. And it, it's tough. I think that series will be fantastic. I yes. love what Miller has done in Connecticut, I think especially if you really didn't take time to scratch beyond the surface, you might have thought that this team would have looked drastically different with Cheney Agumake going out to L.A. And I remember asking Kurt and J.J. while I was out there, I was like, did you guys know you'd be good? And Kurt was like, yeah, we knew. I mean, and he still has a great relationship with her as part of the business. Um, but they knew that they still had the team that could get to this point. But I just don't know what to do with Elena Deladon. Like, when she scored in game one versus the Aces – um, to put her to put to put the Mystics up four, I believe. She mm-hmm. it was like start on the perimeter, slide, dribble, back down, turn around, spin, and just elevate. And it's a bucket. Like, what do you even do with that? <laughs> I know it's almost like did we did we know we could see another level from her? That's what's been so amazing about the season. She's she's one of the best players to see the floor. She's the NBA. She's fantastic. All right, Hannah. Mm-hmm. This has been a riveting conversation. We're all super excited to keep following along in the WNBA playoffs. But now we've got to get you out in the signature way that we do things here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I need you, my friend. Well, Bruce, what do you think? Should we get all three from Hannah or should we allow her to pick one? Can I just give her a brief explanation of what Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is before we start? My teammate, Captain. (laughs) All right. Monica's vision of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is the following. Your bucket is something that is your A++ material, something that you love. Your board would be think rebound, something that maybe looked kind of ugly, but had a silver lining, think redemption or comeback or whatever. 
and a block is trash. Get it out of here. No good. <laughs> Goodbye. So you can decide whether you want to give us a bucket, something great, a board, some redemption or rebound, or a block. Get it out of here. Hannah, go. You sounded just like me, Bruce. You nailed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm channeling my girl, Monica. I'm telling you. she's. I've learned so much from her. <laughs> and this is any related to anything specific? Or? Yeah, you know. In the W. Yeah, in the, in the w. w. Could be season yeah. or like an overall general thing or whatever. A bucket, a board, or a block. You only got to do one. Hmm. That's a fun one. And there's some that you could almost put them in, in multiple categories. Um, you know what? Handle it any way you want to handle it. We are, <laughs> we, are, we are all ears. America and the world are listening. I'm definitely giving this too much thought. Um, but I really think I would, I would love to see Elena Deladon host, hoist the, uh, the championship trophy this year as something I love, as a bucket. And that would also kind of be like a comeback for her. So bored. Um, I, like last year. I like that. <laughs> that's our first combo answer ever, I think. <laughs> that's like, that's like, see, see, this is what happens when you got someone who's ahead of the curve. They're just like way out in front of them. <laughs> Getting a little too fancy there, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> Not at all. We love fun it. Question. We love it for sure. I think. Now here's the here's the fun one that I will give you. Um, Elena Deladon remains healthy. She's already so dominant. How long do you think her career could last? Great question. Um, you have to compare it to someone like Shuber and Diana Taurasi, who are right. still going. And of course, we're seeing those injuries now, which is unfortunate. But I could see her going. I mean, as long as them, as long as as long as that knee stays stays healthy. Yeah. She's so dominant. Yeah, which is great for all of us, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All of us that don't have to defend her, I should clarify. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Well, I agree. An absolute bucket would be Elena Deladon bringing this thing full circle just because it would be a great story. She is the MVP of the league. Um, and then, of course, I'm also in D.C. and the Mystics were the team I grew up on. So let's go. <laughs> there you go. Hannah Withiam, associate editor at The Athletic of all WNBA coverage. Thank you so much for your time, my friend, and dropping some gems. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to Hannah Withiam. Fantastic conversation. The super boss lady for WNBA coverage at The Athletic. We certainly look forward to following her career, and we appreciate the great coverage that she and her staff are providing on The W. Make sure you check out The Athletic and their WNBA coverage if you haven't already. Thanks also, literally, I could not do this podcast without him, my loyal sidekick and super producer, Bruce Bernstein. Ben Wolfen is our editor who makes it all happen. Um, he adds that Hoya sax at the end too. Shout out to you, Ben. I love that. Um, please check out all of our shows from Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show drops every Monday with Mike and his A-list, top A++, A-list guests. Catch and Shoot comes your way each Wednesday. The Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. And of course, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with your girl, Monica McNett, comes your way every Thursday. Next week, 
we're hoping, cross your fingers and hope with me, to have the legendary, the one and only, Nancy Lieberman as our guest. You will not want to miss Nancy and her amazing stories. We're locking in on the W as we run through playoffs. Until next week, enjoy specifically your WNBA playoff hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 